Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board, Robert, along with my co-host since 2013, R.G. Seal. And R.G., remember how awful the Astros were when we started this podcast? It was, it was, it was rough, rough times then. Well, the 2013 team, right? That was the all-time losing as Astros team. Remember, it was... Uh... 111 losses. Jeff Luno's license plate said GM111 in, in a kind of an ode to the number of losses that they had. Yeah. <laughs> and guess when he was able to change that license plate? Yeah, he made a new license plate after 2017. It said uh, WS for World Series 112, and the 112 wins was... What they finished with between the regular season, the 101, and the postseason, the 11 wins it took them to take home the title. And honestly, RG, I couldn't have predicted that Jeff Luno and Jim Crane would hand out $316 million in extensions to three players if you would have asked me even three years ago. But hey, those three players are a former MVP, a top five MVP candidate last year and the runner-up to the Cy Young last year. So Altuve, Bregman, and Verlander, they've got most of the core back now. It's like there's just, you know, Garrett Cole and George Springer, it's all that's left. When Jim Crane bought this team, he said that, you know, Jeff Luna, that you'd have to endure pain over those first few years in building up the organization again. But when the time was right, uh, he would be ready to spend the money. And he's lived up to that word. Uh, He's now, like you said, he's put out the money for the contracts, and, and the Astros are now one of the top organizations in baseball. And you look at what, yeah, like what you said with what's happened here recently. To me, it, it first with you know Jose Altuve getting to bypass free agency. At that, it's a Scott Boris client that bypassed free agency. So that's just something miraculous almost in itself, right? Uh, but, you know, first get Jose Altuve, the reigning MVP, get him into the fold last year with the extension. And then Alex Bregman, one of the game's young, exciting stars. Now you're talking about at least having those two. Of course, the Astros want to have Carlos Correa, and they want to have, you know, George Springer. But they're not going to be able to sign everybody. But you, we were worried. I mean, remember the fire sales in previous times of, you know, seeing guys leave the organization. And so right now it's very exciting because when the Astros were great during the 1990s, early 2000s, when they had those NL Central Championship teams with Bagwell and Biggio, is because they had signed extensions and they had said, we're going to remain Houston Astros. So wanted to get your take, though, because the one, the most interesting one to me was this most recent development with Justin Verlander signing the extension. Now, Justin Verlander getting an extension two years, was it $66 million? Yes, 33 average annual value. Yeah, that's uh, if you're the Astros, you don't want to throw a ton of money, but you can't just bank on the fact that, you know, you're, we've seen through spring training, they've got all these good young pitchers and guys that you, they think are going to be aces. But you can't bank on that. You've got to have somebody coming back next year for sure if you can get either one of Verlander and Cole. I mean, there's still a chance they could get Garrett Cole. But to get one of those guys, and to me it's so important to have Verlander around because with all of these young players, I just like you know carrying on a tradition where Verlander can teach these guys. And I think he has so much to offer the young players, the, the Forrest Whitleys. And uh, I mean, all of these guys that we're seeing – you know, having extraordinary spring training and showing off that they've, they've got some arms into the future. 
that's what Justin Verlander can bring to that. And also, you're not having to extend him into his 40s. You know, he's still going to be in his late 30s in this contract. So all of that, I think, is a great thing. Well, he says he wants to play with 45. He's the Tom Brady of MLB, right? Well, I, I call him the Nolan Ryan. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's a... I'm just saying, you know, from uh, sport to sport there. But, yeah, he is a Nolan Ryan. And guess who's with the Astros organization and probably had a little bit of say and whispering in the owner's ear? You know, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's saying don't make the same mistake that my old boss made, uh, right. John McMullen, and, you maybe. know, not, not giving him up uh, a few years too early after he's th- and he throws a couple more you know, perfect or uh, no hitters. And maybe you can tell people that story who might not be familiar with it when Nolan Ryan was with the Astros and came up in his contract year. Right. They wanted to give him, a, actually, they wanted to give Nolan Ryan a, a discount. They wanted to drop his pay, which I, I, I want to say he, he was making a million dollars at the time. They wanted to drop him down to maybe John McMullen wanted to drop him down to $800,000. And I, and all I think Nolan wanted was like the, the, the same salary. And at the time, Correct me if I'm wrong, RG, but like a million dollars was not a lot of money. I mean, of course, now it looks like nothing. But at that time, a million dollars was not considered, oh, you're paying the, for one of the best pitchers in the game. And so it, it, it was one of these deals where McMullen just said, well, he's he's getting old. He's starting to maybe they thought he was starting to break down. You know, th- there was that one season a couple of years before he was a free agent where he was on a pitch count. He only, could only throw 125 pitches, which... Nolan wanted to, I think he wanted to beat people up over that because he didn't like that. But Nolan that year was eight and 16, but he led the league at ERA and strikeouts. I mean, that's how great Nolan was. Right. And yet uh, here's the Astros owner at the time says, will you take a pay cut? Yeah. So, I mean, that was why he left for Arlington. And he goes up there, like you said, five more years with the Rangers and goes into the Rangers Hall of Fame, you know, and wears a Rangers cap into the Hall of Fame, too. Comes kind of a Texas legend, uh, again, with uh, two additional no-hitters. So, yeah, I mean, that's why contract squabbles, especially now, I mean, we're very age-conscious in baseball, as we've discussed previously on this program, that, you know, at a certain... Forget about us discussing it. We're, we've, we're living it right now with... All these guys that are free agents that you know in their late twenties and thirties, and oh my God, they're they're they must be ninety five years old. And funny thing is, we're we're seeing seeing these guys become the GMs and the owners become so age conscious because they're saying, well, the numbers we, we're seeing the numbers drop off as these guys are getting in their thirties, like they didn't do fifteen or twenty years ago. Because guess what, guys were t- putting needles into their rear end or whatever they were doing to. Uh, extend their the, the prime of their career but it, it this wasn't this is hasn't always been the case we've seen guys have success in their th- 30s into their late 30s w- guys that you know weren't necessarily on anything or you know i mean well, it would like, be a shock well, like I, hank aaron i mean there's a guy that you know i mean the real all-time home run king for uh, most of us right i mean that's a guy that just was consistent year after year and played into his 40s you know and you and like with Justin Verlander again, I mean, like last season, you know, mid thirties, sixteen nine record, two fifty two ERA, and two hundred and ninety strikeouts in two hundred and fourteen innings pitched. So I mean, the guy was dominant last year. And like you said, I, for the same exact reasons, I'm just I was very excited because I was I was I'm getting deeply concerned about looking. I know we're only supposed to look at this season, and the Astros have Verlander and Cole at the top of the rotation, but 
you know, I mean, we're baseball fans. We're looking at like, hey, we have this great core. We have this, you know, pitching staff. If we can just keep this together, you know, I just was very nervous of losing both Verlander and Cole this upcoming offseason. And we know that, that, that Garrett Cole is a Scott Boris client, and we've seen that with, like, Dallas Keuchel still a free agent out there right now. He kept Bryce Harper until he got the contract that he wanted. I mean, Scott Boris tends to want his players to go into free agency and to explore the market. So if Garrett Cole goes in the market, you're going to get in bidding war with other teams. So to me, to be able to re-sign Justin Verlander, at least have him knowing you can pencil in, you have that ace. Every team almost that it's going to contend has that ace that they can rely on, that pitcher that they can say, we can start game one of you know, a postseason series, and this guy's on the mound. That's Justin Verlander. And then you have this guy's ticketed for the Hall of Fame. And like you said, Forrest Whitley could come up this year. That's a great guy. That, you know, teach him the ropes. Josh James. You have Corbin Martin, another young pitcher. You know, so you have these guys that you can continually have Justin Verlander at least anchoring that rotation. Even when Lance McCullers comes back in this season, this guy's going to be coming off Tommy John surgery. So you can't count on Lance McCullers coming back and being the Lance McCullers as a whole. I almost you forgot about Lance McCullers. You, you don't know what he's going to be. <laughs> you don't know what he's going to be. So you, the one solid guy that you can say year after year, it's Justin Verlander. We know what we're going to get. And he's just a special, rare pitcher. And so, yeah, that's to me why you back up the Brinks truck for a guy like that. Yeah, while Alex Bregman is is doing thank yous, you know, he had the great thank you video. I mean, it definitely, we got to really thank Jim Crane because, you know, a lot of owners these days outside of New York and Boston and Chicago and L.A., I mean, they're not going to spend the money. And right now, RG, I mean, you can make an argument that Jim Crane is sitting pretty as the best owner in Houston sports history. He brought a championship. He's trying to keep these guys together and, and bring more championships. He's, he's spending the money that we didn't know if he, he would be able to spend. Well, we could say, well, less spent the money he was doing all, but there's a, a, a hard salary cap in the NBA and baseball. It's all based on how much you want to go into the luxury tax, how much you want to spend on that, what you want to do. And what Jim Crane is doing is really special. And remember everybody credits less for the two championships. He walked into them, you know, it's like, well, Hey, my first year, look, I got Akeem Olajuwon, and we won a championship. You know, he did. what did he do? I mean, it was basically set there. Well, but, I mean, it's a short list because unless you want to count Bud Adams win the AFL championships, right? I mean, who's won the championships in Houston? It's been, you know, Les Alexander when he walked into the Rockets situation, and then you have the baseball championship with the Houston Astros World Series champion 2017. Do we we give less credit for the the, uh, Comets championships, the four Comets championships? Well, then there's also the Dynamo championships, too, so let's not forget about that. But I'm talking about for the three major sports that, this town revolves around, but and the Dynamo they were set when they got to Houston. Right, the, the right. Comets were built by the, the by Houston ownership. I'm just talking about men's professional basketball, professional baseball, and professional football. Yeah, the power the power sports. I power guess power sports, in, in not to diminish soccer because you know I'm a, a big uh, soccer guy. But just was saying for for Houston, and you're right, probably already he's in that talk as the greatest one of the, uh, you know potentially the greatest owner in Houston history. But, I mean, there's still the book to be written, and to me it's going to be interesting. I don't know about you because, I mean, the Astros have committed a lot of money to these players, but there is a salary cap, and Jim Crane also said he's not going to go over the luxury tax. So a, a team like Boston or the New York Yankees will go over the luxury tax, and they'll pay it. You know, the Astros might get close to it, but they don't want to go over it. They don't want to get into the repeater tax and do that. 
So it's going to be an interesting how they decide to. And that's why, I mean, signing guys like a, a Dallas Keuchel, while it would be nice, they don't want to get you know into a long-term contract that could potentially cause them to lose out on you know, re-signing. Do you re-sign Carlos Correa? Do you re-sign George Springer? You know, who are going to be the other guys that you allocate money towards? And Springer, they might wait for him to set them. It might be a market set thing with Springer because he's going to be hitting right around the time he's 30 years old. And we're seeing right now that that market has shrunk a lot with guys that are that age. So that's interesting with Springer. Garrett Cole, to me, is that I have no idea. I don't know what he he is on the market. Do they want to wait to see what his value is on the market and, and what... You know, does Garrett Cole want to wait? Is is does his representation want to wait? Well, his representation is again representation is Scott Boris and Dallas Keuchel is a Boris client who's sitting at home right now. But you know, Boris tends to do well by his clients that we've seen over the years with the large contracts. And somebody like Garrett Cole, now that Justin Verlander is off the board, now that Chris Sale is off the board, some of these other big-name pitchers will be out. Now Garrett Cole is the guy. And you saw what Patrick Corbin got, what, the six years, $140 million with the Washington Nationals this past offseason. That's a guy everybody points to that Garrett Cole can get more than that. So if he does go out in the free agency, and there are going to be teams that are going to need pitching. They always do. There's going to be teams that want so if that's to me why, again, signing Justin Verlander, because I now put it less likely now that there's not been an extension before the season. If if Garrett Cole does go out in the free agency, then you do get into the bidding war there. And I just don't think the Astros are going to pay more. You know, they assign a value. We've talked about this with the teams. You know, maybe there's some special circumstances because a player's tied to the franchise and you want to have that guy there and you make a you know, like with Mike Trout, you know, I'm sure Artie Marino said, hey, here's my checkbook, $430 million. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I, You know, whatever to keep you. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there are certain guys, if you're with an organization, they're going to – you might go above and beyond because of what they meant to the organization and to the city. And, I, you know, in this case, as great as Garrett Cole's been, he's only been with the Astros for one year. Now this will be two years that he's with the Astros. Hopefully he's sensational this year, but I just think that I'll push him to where there's going to be a lot of competition for him on the open market. And, and the Astros, unless it's something within kind of what they want to pay for him or what they've assigned a value to him. And, and again, it factors into, hey, we might want to re-sign Carlos Correa to a long-term contract and have money for that. We might have George Springer. These are core players. You know, we have at least some pitchers that are coming up with Martin and Whitley and Josh James or whomever that we can go and we can make a trade here, get a guy in with a lower salary. I mean, there are all these factors. It's like a constantly moving chessboard. I'm a little bit surprised by one player on the Astros' final 25-man roster from this season. Any guesses as to the guy that I was just like, I, I just was a little surprised that he made the roster. You mean with the Framber Valdez and the yeah, bullpen? Yeah, that's exactly. Well, I mean, you you had said. I remember when you did the twenty five man roster, you hit every single one of them. Just this was like three weeks ago. I mean, everybody kind of knew what the Astros roster would would probably be, and you said we picked, Perez, see, yeah. right? And then he was sent down, and then a lot of people were saying uh, Raymond Guadin, right? Would be another one that. Uh, yeah, sorry, that, well, I always mispronounce his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, Raymond Gu- Gu- yeah, Guadin or whatever. How do you ever you say his name? But Framber. Yeah. I just I'm surprised because he's not a control guy and, and you're depending on him to have control coming out there immediately out of the bullpen. And I, I just don't know if he can do that. Well, they were all those guys are left handers. And so they were looking at left handers, having that left hander come out of the pen. And yeah, I you're right. I mean, that's where he has. He struggles with control issues. But we also saw last year that he can come in and he can he can get 
players hit into double plays, ground balls. He, he was good when there was guys on base, And too. good with guys on base. So there you go. With somebody coming in from the bullpen, what are a lot of times circumstances that you're going to be coming into? Guys on base. You just hope that he can throw strikes and he's not, like, wild or... But if but he he does have a knack of getting out of those situations, and he is left-handed, so he gives again. They lost Tony Sip this off-season, so the Astros still want to be able to have that left-hander in the bullpen that they call call on for certain matchups. And it's still going to be interesting to me if they go through with that Major League Baseball rule about minimum three three batters have to face because that's going to get rid of the left-handed specialist that we've seen for so many years the guy that comes in pitches in one batter now that's going to happen next year supposedly we'll see unless but, but there's you know that can be negotiated or trade off or something else so we'll see yeah that's a big question mark going into next year Who, who's the astros third best pitcher by the time the season's over i mean right now you're three four five McHugh, peacock and wade miley but Forrest Whitley. Forrest Whitley's the third best. I'm going to take Gamble on Forrest Whitley because I think when he comes up, he's going to be, you know, the star that we've been expecting. He's going to make an instant impact. And, I mean, he's done that at every level of his career. And I'm just high on Forrest Whitley. I don't five know five pitches that are supposedly all-plus pitches. Uh, he's got the size of a, a right. power pitcher. Was he six foot six or And he, he can bring it. What, what is he up to 96, 90, high 90s? I mean, yeah, he can throw at 100 miles per hour. If he gets a running start, we saw in the offseason he can throw at 110 miles an hour. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the one thing that we don't know when you say the Astros' third best pitcher, let's say it's end of July, could be somebody they acquire in a trade. I mean, we're expecting Verlander or Cole, those to be the two guys at the top of the rotation. And I'm just saying of the guys that are are there when you're talking about Wade Miley's been a nice pickup. He pitched well with the Brewers last season. He's a lefty there, so he offers you something different. And then you have Brad Peacock, who be able to switch him back and forth from the bullpen, just like Colin McHugh. I'm just thinking of the guy who has the most upside when we're looking at the picture of these three pitchers, other pitchers besides the dominant top two. I don't know if you agree with that, or maybe you want to throw out somebody different. Yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of leaning towards Whitley myself, but uh, maybe Colin McHugh. Maybe he brings something that uh, he he sort of learned in the bullpen, and maybe he can throw it with that sort of velocity on a consistent basis because he had picked up the velocity last year coming out of the bullpen. Maybe he just picked it up because he could throw it that hard coming out of the bullpen. But I'm, I'm anxious to see about McHugh. I want to ask you because, uh, you know, you and Greg Lucas discussed the contract extensions last week and uh, the Astros with Ryan Presley and uh, Alex Breckman. Yeah. So you had that one. But, you know, so the Astros back of the bullpen, everybody, of course, knows about Presley and Osuna. They're two guys that I'm kind of looking at this upcoming season as ones maybe for bounce back. Remember Hector Rondon at the end of last season almost became the invisible man. I mean, he was went from closer to the forgotten man. And then Chris Davinsky, who was left off the playoff roster, who was so essential to the Astros in the 2017 season. What do you think uh, those guys, big season ahead, or what are you kind of like looking at with them in the bullpen? There's not a lot of pressure for them because they, they, they don't have to be the, the top two guys in the bullpen. Rondon was facing a lot of pressure. Last year, he he fed off of it early in the year, but maybe he wore out. He's never been a closer consistently. That might have had something to do with it. So maybe it'll help him to have less pressure innings. But the guy that I, I definitely think will bounce back, nobody works harder than Chris Davinsky. He's got an elite changeup. I mean, it's, it's one of the best pitches on the Astros staff. I don't think he was awful at the end of the year. I just, he wasn't as good as some of the other guys that they, they could put in the, in the bullpen in the playoffs. So 
you know, and, and, and I'm definitely interested to see, you know, what Josh James is, how they fit him in, where, where he's at, you know, how many pressure situations do they put him in? And, you know, Roberto Osuna, to me, he wasn't scary when he was with the Astros last year as a closer. So, you know, I, I know he's got a long history of doing well, but I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Roberto Osuna does. The guy that I think everybody has the most confidence in is Kyle Presley because, you know, his stuff. Ryan it's, Presley. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm mean, sorry, Ryan Presley. His stuff's the best on the Astros staff outside of Josh James in the bullpen anyway. So and he, he could potentially even be a closer too. So you have like with Osuna and Presley, those two guys, the eighth and ninth inning, right? You're kind of looking at that. Then you have Josh James, like you said, who can pitch multiple innings, who also could be a closer with the kind of stuff that he has. And then you have like a Chris Tavinsky. To me, that's why the Astros, that's something we very much talk about, but they still have a very dangerous bullpen. Because you talk about, like, you know, the Yankees' bullpen and all the arms that they have there. You know, they added Adam Adovino in the offseason. And, of course, they have Dylan Batances, and they re-signed Zach Britton, and they have Aroldis Chapman as their closer. So you look at that, oh, my gosh, the Yankees' arms there and the way that they can do that. But, I mean, the Astros, you know, aren't very far behind if you can get, like, Chris Davinsky when he was all-star, like he was in 2017, to go along with Josh James and the exciting arm that we saw last year, then with Presley and Osuna. And, I mean, they can mix and match and do different things. So the Astros' bullpen, to me, it's one of the things we haven't really talked about too much in the spring, and it's going to be important as the season progresses, especially not having the same lockdown starting five to the Astros. That was a historic rotation last year. I mean, let's be frank about it, right? Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't just not assume that Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole can do this all again this year. I'm not, I'm not are you? Yeah, I, I don't think you can. But they can be very good. They can be near those numbers. And the offense should be better and the bullpen should be more exactly. consistent. Exactly. You can't ever go into a season. I'm I'm expecting this career year from Garrett Cole or, you know, this near Cy Young year from Justin Verlander to be duplicated. Although Justin Verlander has been NL MVP and Cy Young Award winner and do that. So that's why he's an ace. But you don't automatically pencil in those numbers. You just figure that he's going to give you solid seven maybe eight innings or whatever he can give you every time out. He's going to be fighting, keeping you in in, in, the, in position to win ball games, and he's going to be one of the best pitchers in the league when it's all said and done, right? And kind of expect the same thing now from Garrett Cole. So what their numbers will be. Kind of want to get to the uh, the lineup, though, and wanted to ask you, cause we've, we've talked a little bit about it in, 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 you know, getting ready for the season and the spring. It's like who who among the Astros are you focusing on and saying this guy's got to have a really good season offensively, put it all together, and that will help the Astros this upcoming season to win the AL West. The good thing is they've got so much depth that they can have off years from certain guys. But, you know, I I want to see what Carlos Correa can do coming off this injury, coming off a, a bad season for him. And, and, and I think we expected so much more of him, even though – you know, he, he put up some great numbers his first couple of years, but I, I think the expectation is, hey, 300 hitter maybe, uh, maybe he can get 40 home runs. Uh, there's a lot more that's on the table for him, and it's just a matter of can he stay healthy and can he put it together and make contact. And, I mean, one of the big frustrations with Carlos Correa over the last couple of seasons is he's just not been able to put the ball in play like you would like to see him. And if you can't put the ball in play, you're not going to get up to a 300 batting average. And, and, you know, a lot of times he puts his bat on his shoulder on strike one. And I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. 
on that first pitch because that that's the pitch that you know somebody like Altuve eats up and Bregman too. Those guys know how to jump on that first pitch. I mean, Bregman works a count, but he's such a great two-strike hitter and such a great contact hitter that he can afford to do that. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, probably similarly was going to say like a Carlos Correa, but I'll go somebody different just to mix things up here. And center fielder like George Springer. To me, that's the guy that I want to see if he can... Just, I'd be great if he could just stay healthy for one season. Well, I stay mean, healthy. I mean, other than his rookie season, though, right? When he missed all that uh, significant... And it seems like he misses a few games every... For something a few games, but he's been pretty durable, and he's been able to play through the playoffs and everything. I, I just want to be able to see, like, you know, he slimmed down some and rededicated himself to running the base pass, and we saw uh, some of that in spring training. So I just want to see if he can you know, kind of put it all together because he was pretty great for the first couple of months of the season, then went into that swoon. He kind of has these, you know, that inconsistency were, you know, very up and down. I'd like to see if, can this guy, you know, put it all together, you know, six months of the season, and then you have potentially an MVP caliber player. Oh, if he puts it all together for a season, he, he definitely can be an MVP right. caliber player. So that's somebody to watch. I wanted to know what you thought, though, of the Astros – and again, we've talked a little bit about this before, but getting Michael Brantley and what he means to to the lineup now, and, and you know, different from last season's lineup. The big thing is, I mean, we talked about it. It's contact. I mean, he puts the bat on the baseball. I mean, that's something that the Astros needed more in the lineup because of Springer and Correa. They they can do a lot of swinging and missing, and I mean, I, that, that's big. But you know, they've got other. Altuve can put the bat on the ball. Bregman can put the bat on the ball. But Brantley gives them another consistent hitter he's another guy that you can count on he makes contact he's got you know some speed he can's got a little bit of power he did like all these other guys he can do a little bit of everything and i i I just i'm real interested to see what the astros are capable of like what their potential is this year what do you think the without looking rg and I've looked. What, what's the over-under for the Astros this year? How many wins is the over-under? Is it 96? 96.5, according to Bovada. So uh, that, do you like the over or the under on 96.5? I mean, I'll, I'll go the over because, yeah, I mean, I'm picking the Astros to win, and I think that the AL West is going to be a little bit weaker division. Is it going to be weaker? Because the Angels have improved a little bit, and do you think the A's are going to drop well, off? Well, I think, I think the A's, look, the A's won 97 games last year. I mean, they were sensational, and they kept the Astros, you know, all the way to the end of the season. But I, I just think that losing Jed Lowry, remember how, you know, we saw him here in Houston. I mean, he was a good hitter. He was a solid glue-type hitter that, in your lineup. He was always somebody that you could count on if he was in the lineup and healthy. Uh, and I just think losing like a Jed Lowry. Is and, Mike Fires still their ace? Yeah, I mean, he's still in the rotation there. So, I mean, they picked up Jerks and Profar. They've added Joachim Soria to the bullpen. You know, they have Marco Estrada now in the rotation. But I, I like Chris Davis. You know, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. They have some really good core players on that team I just don't know if they can duplicate that I mean 90 wins would be a really good season in the playoff hunt and everything yeah 97 is just that was that was to be competing with the Astros last year you really have to tip your cap to them because we saw the rotation they had a great bullpen and and again like Blake Trinan he had that great season as the closer can he duplicate that you can't expect him to have like almost that historic type of season that he had last year and then the rest of their bullpen I mean, they still have Fernando Rodney, but I mean, that's a guy that's always like, you know, he's been, you know, tossed out of other closing jobs and you always kind of like hold your breath when he's on the mound. I mean, he can be good as a setup guy. 
It's just I don't know if their bullpen will be as lights out and great. But, you know, Billy Bean, that's a guy that can always continually add to it. And then you were asking before about, like, the other teams in the division. I mean, well, Seattle, they gave up the best closer in potentially in baseball these days. Edwin Diaz, they sent him off to the Mets. I mean, he was one of the best closers, right? And then they, you know, traded Robinson Cano. I mean, they just basically almost had a little bit. I mean, they brought in some new guys, too. They still have, you know, Edward Encarnacion, Jay Bruce, Domingo Santana. I mean, they brought in some talent, too, but it just doesn't seem to be. They traded their ace pitcher, you know, James Paxson, to the, to, to the Yankees. So it's like a lot of, like, they traded a lot of their best or guys that you associated with Seattle and, you know, talented players that you were expecting them to still continue to go out and try to win and be competitive, and they let those guys go. So that's why I just think those teams are not going to be the same. Now, the Angels are Walker, but they're pitching still. I mean, they have Brad Osmus, former Astro. They're managing him. But Shohei Otani's not going to pitch this year. He's only going to be a DH. So you now have that. And Andrew Heaney, is one of their pitchers, one of their better pitchers, is already starting off the season with some, some injury problems. They signed, like, a Matt Harvey in the offseason season to to come and you know kind of bolster that rotation but Matt Harvey was a guy that basically the Mets gave, got Did rid they of signed right? the 2014 Matt Harvey or yeah exactly I mean it's not the Batman of old right so and then you have like Trevor Cahill they they signed so I mean they're what about uh 400 million dollars for Mike Trout would you have made that move if you were the Angels would you have oh signed in a heartbeat I mean this guy's the best player in baseball this guy's doing things that you know, nobody's done in the game at, up to his point. You're going to be paying him a lot of money, though, when he's 35, 36, 37, 38, 39. You had to. You, you know, I mean, for the Angels, that's that's their – I mean, Mike Trout wanted to be there. I mean, if he had gone to Philadelphia, he would have been a 400, you know, or the Yankees, or they would have paid him over for him. I mean, you had to do this if you wanted to, to keep him there. He's the Angels franchise. He's their guy. So, and I like seeing players stay with one organization. I'm, you know, I'm maybe it's because the Biju and Bagwell and growing up and we saw all that here, you know, for us and everything. I just, I just like that, you know, seeing one player with the organization. I mean, you saw it like when you were in Missouri with George Brett in Kansas City. At least you, you go to Anaheim, you know, it's Mike Trout and that's with the Angels. And, and so I, you know, I, I just wonder, though, I mean, it would be good for him, not good for the Astros, but, you know, to make the postseason. Do they have a chance to make the wild card? Yes, because the AL West is weaker, because we haven't even talked about the Rangers yet. I mean, Adrian Beltre retired. They have a new manager as well. They have Chris Woodward as their new manager. Jeff Bannister is gone, the UH alum. But the Rangers are supposed to be rebuilding. They're looking to moving into their new stadium, getting the young guys developed. And that way they can go out, sign free agents, and compete then. So you have teams that, okay, Oakland, Seattle, potentially not as good. Angels, wild card, but nobody's expecting them with that rotation, their pitching problems. I mean, the the, the lineup, and, and who knows what Albert Pujols can do anymore. Talk about a guy who's kind of on the last legs of his career. You know, what do you do with Albert Pujols and, and lineup and stuff like that? So you have these things question marks with the angels so that's why the astros kind of have this and the, and the rangers are rebuilding so you have this kind of golden opportunity don't you agree that like you know the astros are really competing against kind of the yankees red sox indians you know other teams in the al who's gonna win the world series who's gonna be in the world series i think did you pick the astros again last year I did, and I'm going to pick him again this year because I'm a homer. I want to, yeah, just riding, riding with the Astros here, throwing it in, you know. All right, what about the National League? Uh, but I, but I will say, looking at 
I mean, what do you think about first slits in the American League? Do you do you, do you think the Astros coming out? What do you think of the Red Sox, Yankees, Indians? Maybe you like the Minnesota Twins. Maybe you like the Angels. I don't know. It could be the Yankees' time because they've gotten close the last couple of years. They're they're almost there. You would figure some slippage for Boston. Everything seemed to they had one of those dream seasons like the Astros where everything seemed to go right for them. They got a great manager in Alex Cora. Most of that talent is 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 coming back. The question is. With Boston and New York, I, I feel like with all three of these teams, Boston, New York, and, and Houston, one of them is going to make a big trade at the deadline and, and whether that trade is going to be big enough to maybe move the needle. I mean, it's almost it's almost hard to make a prediction until we get to that point where you go, oh, oh, then they made this deal. But I got a prediction. I, I don't know. Madison Bumgarner, where he goes. The question also about Madison Bumgarner is what does he have left in the tank? Because... Uh, some of his numbers, you know, have dipped in the last couple of years. And, you know, you're kind of wondering if all those innings that he racked up winning the World Series is kind of caught up to him by now. I mean, it's. But he's still kind of, he's not an old guy. And we heard kind of some of those things too when the Randy Johnson trade was made in 1998 with the Astros and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he wasn't having a good season with Seattle. And then he comes over and has that historic second half in 1998. All right. Who's in the National League then? Who do you, who do you like over there? By the way, I do agree with you in the American League. Like I, I think uh, ALCS is going to be Astros Yankees, like it was in 2017. But in the National League, gosh, that's that's just a tough one. First of all, the NL West. You know, the Dodgers really are kind of still the cream of the crop. They've been in the World Series the last two times. I know Clayton Kershaw's starting the season. He's not going to make opening day start. There's some questions surrounding him. So maybe with the Dodgers, but they went and signed AJ Pollock. They got Walker Bueller. You saw how great he was last season. I mean, the Dodgers, they have the farm system. They have the payroll, the money. Corey Seager's coming back now, even though they lost Manny Machado. You know, I mean, they're to me in the NL West, they're still the team to beat, even though it'll be exciting to see Manny Machado in San Diego. And I think that the Rockies with their ro- rotation, they still have that young rotation, and they still have, of course, they re-signed Nolan Arenado, another guy who was re-signed. You know, Charlie Blackman, and, you know, Trevor Story. They have those guys that are there that, that make them a potent force, but I'd still give the edge to the Dodgers. So, But then when you look at the other divisions, that's where it gets really tricky. Because, I mean, I, you want to go over to the NL East and say, well, the Na- Washington Nationals, they lost uh, Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, so they're not going to be as good. But they signed Patrick Corbin. So now they have Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and, and Patrick Corbin. Those three lights out starters. I was pick. I was going to pick yeah. the Nationals because maybe Bryce Harper's addition by subtraction. I, I, I don't know what to say with Bryce Harper because they could never do anything with him. And now maybe there's no pressure on this team anymore. Oh, we, you, they don't have Bryce Harper and, the, and people aren't focusing on them. Right. I mean, they don't have to deal with, oh, are we going to keep Harper? Are we going to lose Harper? I I, I kind of like the Nationals right now. I'm, I mean, I, I'm willing to ride and die with them a little bit because it's them or the Braves. I really like whoever comes out of the National League East is the strongest team. Well, I, they also the the Mets are kind of a hot mess too because they have Jacob Degrom and, and they still have Thor as Syndergaard there. You know, they still have the Zach Wheeler. They got a really good rotation, and they went and acquired Robinson Cano, and and they, you know. Uh, they got Jed Lowry, who we talked about earlier. They still have Cespedes. They have the new GM in there, the guy, um, new sheriff in town, the Brady Von Wanger, and the former agent of uh, AJ Hinge. Correct. So, all right, pick a team. Pick a team in the National League. Oh man, well, I, I, looking at the Central, I wanted to get to that just really quickly because I, 
what do you think about Milwaukee? You know, last year they got just, you know, that game seven, could have gotten past the Dodgers for the World Series. Do you think they can duplicate that season or are they going to take a step back? I think they'll have to take a step back. Okay. So then you have, what about the Chicago Cubs? Joe Madden last year of his contract. Does that kind of make you worried that they basically said goodbye to him? Do you go kind of all out for you, Darvish, come back and give them something? But did they add any? I mean, you want to right. see them adding something, and I don't know if they added anything. I mean, if there's well, a team, it's, it's, the it's team being in the central healthy. is the Cardinals with with the guy Houston product, Paul Goldschmidt, and that's who I'm. That's kind of the team that I'm looking at because I like the Cardinals. Their fan base might in, hold them back. Their fan base probably doesn't get into the team enough. So yeah. they, they they can't push him forward with with the cheering because it's an empty. But they, right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm kidding because yeah. I, I I have a lot of uh, Cardinals fans. I'm thinking with that Paul Goldschmidt acquisition, they got Andrew Miller to bolster their bullpen. I mean, I know Carlos Martinez not starting off the season and all that, but I mean, still they have Milos, the guy that from last season that had the great season. They signed to a contract extension. You know, they 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 have like, you know, a lot of good still young pitching in their their system and guys that they can bring back. I I like the Cardinals. So if I I would agree with you kind of Cardinals and and I also like the, the Nationals, too. For you, I think they're really going out to win a team. This is the, the longest So Cardinals and Nationals. And I'll, I'll take since you're taking the Nationals, I'll take, you know, Astros versus Cardinals because that'll be like the old time in the uh, NL Central and. People would enjoy that here in Houston, stuff like that. You don't want to see Fultonevich versus Verlander in game one with yeah. the Braves, the <laughs> former Astro uh, farmhand against the – And you uh, know what? But, but judging by how we picked in the past and everything, yeah, like probably it's going to be something uh, totally, completely different there. Like well, did you pick the, you pick the Astros? I think in 2017. Didn't yeah, you? so I've just been rolling with my Astros. And you're, stuff the ben, like that. you're the Ben yeah. Ryder of this podcast. Well, you, you got but, it right there. Yeah. Now, not quite. He predicted in 2014, right, with that Sports Illustrator 15, yeah. whatever that cover was. That was incredible. Well, I think that's all we got for the for an Astros. It's sort of an Astros preview, but hitting some other topics along the way. But uh, looking forward to the Astros season. Things just about to get rolling here and opening up with uh, Tampa Bay. They're going to be facing Charlie Morton in the first series. Oh, I don't want to go against Charlie Morton. He's kind of tough, but... Uh, looking forward to the Astros. It's you know you look early in the season and you're looking at matchups, and then by you know the second series, RG, it's usually like uh, 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 who, who's pitching tonight, who's going this series. Like you, you just kind of go day by day. And the first you're like, oh, I want to see who the matchups are the first series, and it's all over with after that. But uh, that's all we got for this one. Uh, huge thanks to RG. Don't forget. Uh, earlier this week, we talked Cougar basketball. The game's on Friday. Jeremy Branham, the voice of the Cougars, was on with us. Make sure you check that out if you haven't. We talked Rockets and Texans in yesterday's podcast. Uh, stay tuned for us. We do this every week, uh, three, four times a week. So it's Houston Sports Talk. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Max Friedman. And I'm Eli Blackwood. We're hosts of Tackling the Texans, brought to you by the Pulse Podcast Network. If you love the Houston Sports Talk podcast, then you should go ahead and listen to our weekly podcast where we talk about everything exciting around the NFL and what it means for Houston. 
We keep you updated on all things Texans with interesting debates and hot takes, making sure to bring on NFL experts from around the industry to keep you connected. Subscribe to Tackling the Texans on Apple Podcasts or give us a listen on any available platforms.